Welcome everyone to the second exciting instalment of See You Next Week in the Ring. This is a crossover podcast between Amy and Sarah Walsh of See You Next Week in Space and myself, Rafe Houston of Faces and Feels Pro Wrestling Podcast. We're dissecting Hulk Hogan's 1991 classic Suburban Commando. Uh, If you can believe it, what is a 90-minute movie has taken us about three hours to talk about, so we split it in two. So if you did not check out part one yet, you want to go back in the feed and check that out first. So we're going to jump into part two right now. Let's get back in there and find out what exciting adventures that Shep Ramsey and Charlie Wilcox have in store for us next. So uh, that then cues up the weird reoccurring scene that we always see of Charlie pulling up at the traffic lights where he tries to beat the light and like drag the other drivers before the light turns orange, I guess. Like maybe it's not a very long light and he doesn't get very far and I don't really know why. Everybody else seems to run the light, but he always stops and then drives backwards, which is maybe more illegal. Um, I don't know why this scene exists, nor do I understand it after watching the movie twice. (laughs) Same. Uh, I do not understand. It's because the whole playing it safe thing. Like, because it's Ah. like he's repeatedly shown he's in the middle lane and then there's that old lady who's next to him and she's like revving her engine, like preparing for a drag race. And he like always, I think what it is, is not so much the light that they stop at. It's that the next light and anyone who's driven knows this. Like if you, I was about to say, is this an American traffic thing? Like maybe you guys can, uh, yeah, (laughs) I didn't get it either. So, well, like Amy, remember like when you, well, maybe you don't, but like, on Route 9, which is this, like, kind of shitty road in our town growing up, if you hit one red light, then you were going to hit all of them. Yeah. Like, yeah. based right. on the timing of the thing. Um, so I think that's what this is implying, is that, like, he slows down at the yellow light like you're supposed to. That is what you legally are bound to do. Um, but everyone else in the big pack speeds up so that they don't get stuck in yeah. light after light after right. light. So and that's why he, he guns it really fast because he wants to make it like them. But if it hits that orange, he's definitely going to play it safe and stop. Right. 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 And it's Sorry, this whole play it safe thing that he's too much of a milk toasty nerd yeah. to like take the chances that he needs to take. Right. So I think that's what this scene is trying to show us. Trying to awkwardly show us. Well, anyway, he's about yeah, to meet yeah. someone that's going to change that. It's Shep Ramsey. He's now uh, walking through town looking like a crazy person in his big armour suit. Uh, apparently women hell like him. They're like, oh, my God, look how big he is. And then that dude's <laughs> like, hey, you shop on the rack, buddy? And then people are like, what are you looking at? And then uh, there's a lady uh, with problem with a vending machine. The vending machine's robbed, robbed her. It's stolen his money. So he hits it. Uh, providing everybody in the street with free money and soda. Uh, then he sees the dog in the car, and that scene like pl- uh, plays out, and he's walking along in his new duds, and then he sees a flyer on a pole that says, apartment for rent with an arrow this way, no address, and he tears it off the pole. Question, is this a thing in America as well, that if you see a flyer, you must tear it from where you see it and take it with you? Because... In every movie I've ever seen where they see a flyer, they tear it from the wall. No. I've never done that in real life. No, the only the what would be real would be if it it said apartment for rent and on the bottom there was like 
a bunch of little terrible pieces where you could like yeah. have the phone number or the address and you could tear that. Just get the little off. tab, right? Yeah. Yeah. Because yeah, I feel real, like it's kind I've of never... selfish to just tear it off because what if you then get there, you don't really like don't the place and don't it. want to rent it now, now the advertising's cooked. I mean, yeah, let's and also the it. advertising was really bad to begin yeah. with. So. I was no say, address, just an arrow. We... Wendy really fell down on the job with this advertising because it's one flyer that has all caps, apartment for rent, and a big arrow with no address and no additional information. Even like, how much is this? We never know how much this is. And how does Shep Ramsey have earthling dollars to rent this place? Well, and also, I mean, we could get into questions about what it means to rent somebody's house, but it also, or rent an apartment in somebody's house, but it also doesn't mean you necessarily sit down and have dinner with their family. And also- Especially when you're not paying, he has no money. (laughs) He has no money. And the whole reason why this apartment is here is because while- Doc Brown is failing at his attempts to get a raise. Wendy, his wife, has determined that he will not do that. Like, it won't be successful. So she's cooked up this apartment plan. So she's turned his workshop into the apartment in three hours? Yeah, she's completely given it an overhaul. And Charlie's about to find that out when he rocks up home. Uh, and like the douchebag, <laughs> I'm getting through this this thing I've written. Uh, so <laughs> he, he pulls up uh, and and basically uh, he can't pull into. He he basically goes through the same day every day, right? So it's like Groundhog Day. Yeah. Like he deals with the traffic lights, then he gets home, then he tries to pull into his driveway, but the douchebag June buggy drags to neighbors have got their like cars in the way and he can't pull in. And he's like, "Hey, move the car!" And they're like, "Park across the street!" And like laugh at him. And then he like pulls across the street and then a super fast car regularly zooms past and speeds in a local neighborhood at the same time every day. And it almost like takes off his, uh, his car door. He pulls that in, he gets out of the car, almost gets hit by another car, then goes across. The Colonel is on the front lawn. He's this crazy person who lives next door to him. He's got a, an old military Jeep just on his lawn with no wheels, like in the flower bed, and he just sits in it drinking all day. Pretty awesome. Yeah. And he's just oh like, you need God. to stand up for yourself. This was, this was when World War II and Korean vets were like still young-ish. And yeah. so he's one of those guys. He's just like cooked, right? And he's like, you need to have some backbone. And he's like, oh, that, it's not that easy, Colonel, or something like that. And he's like, at least you'd show him something. Anyway, he goes inside and he lays on the couch and he's really exhausted. And then you hear some kind of like sexy music. And it looks up and his uh, wife is dressed in some kind of like gown and has like big hair and is like, what's going on, stud? And is like going <laughs> to make him feel better. Uh, I'm picturing, like, I don't know why I've done the dialogue from Greece, but that's basically <laughs> the scenario. <laughs> but he's not interested. He's too sad. Yeah. He's had a terrible day. And I did laugh when he's like, this was a terrible day, like in the most Doc Brown thing of all time. <laughs> I just want to get to my workshop and start hammering something and blah, blah, blah. And so then he marches out there and then he his workshop looks very different. There's a pot plant Indeed. on his bandsaw the like or his drill press and like the whole thing has been converted into an apartment as you mentioned she's she knew he wasn't going to get the raise and so she's cooked up a scheme to get extra money by renting out his workshop yeah and now just like so those of you listening can kind of like 
put together a mental picture of what this transformation is like. We did at the kind of a neat little opening bit, see the workshop and it is exactly what you would imagine a workshop to be. It has multiple different, very large, um, like t- floor, like not just hand tools, but tools that are like on the floor that like drill take presses and bandsaws and stuff. Um, and those of you who own a workshop, you, you have to assume there's like, paint that's on the floor uh grease stains various weird shit has happened in this and room. not a bathroom also. and not a bathroom no. and then then when we have the reveal of the new apartment it's like painted in a beautiful color and there might even be wallpaper in the mix there are like light fixtures yeah there's carpet there's light fixtures hanging from the ceiling there's like a bed and two matching nightstands i'm like where did all of this go and if you're really struggling to pay the rent, is it wise to go out and spend all this money to convert this thing? Like, surely that's going to take a bite, and then you're going to have to like build it back on the back end. Like, right. there's, there's some there's some upfront costs here. Yes, but <laughs> we are asking questions that the movie doesn't even want us to think about. Yeah, well, uh, I don't think it does have a bathroom. I think the only side door is where she's st- uh, she's like, your tools are all still here, and opens and they come like pouring oh, out, like right. yeah, yes. and that's why I think at numerous times when you see Shep leave the room and Charlie creep in there to have a look, it's because he needs to go to the bathroom, I guess, because <laughs> it's not in the thing. I'm filling that in Could myself. Be. They never they never let me know uh, Shep's bathroom habits. So anyway, uh, he's mad and he storms back in and she's kind of running after him and he's like, this is the worst. And then the doorbell rings. Uh, he, he's like, who could this be? And opens it up and then you see like a man from chest height and then he looks up slowly at Shep Ramsey and he's like, I'm here to rent the apartment. And then he's like, yeah. honey, it's for you because it's like her problem. So they never discuss money. They uh, never see anything up front. They don't do any license checks or police ID clearances. He's just now about to have dinner with the family. He's a bit concerned about it. And then he walks in with both their kids, like, are these yours, like, carrying them under his, like, by the belts, basically. And they're like, put them down. <laughs> and that's normal. Yeah. I mean, this is, like, we've already, like, gotten through a lot of different sight gags. But this one where he carries in the kid kids is, like, one of the, I would have to say, kind of top, five sight gags that we're supposed to come away with and like and it's like oh he's like fucking massively strong because he's got because i think that the kids are supposed to they're not like little babies like one of them looks like she's a 12 year old girl or something so like he's picked up that one in one hand and then like the eight-year-old boy in the other and generally speaking humans can't do that no so as a rule, they can't do that, and I'm pretty sure that's one of the first things they show on the like trailer. Like if you watch the Suburban Commando trailer, oh, it's them talking sure. and him coming in yeah. like, "Are these yours?" Like, ha ha! What a what a family romp this will be. So, <laughs> <laughs> so anyway, they're have, they're all having dinner together. He still hasn't paid them any money that I know of. They ask him where he's from because he's kind of weird. He says he's from France, and they're all very impressed by that. The daughter's like, "Ooh la la!" And like, <laughs> he has no French accent. He also hits his head on a lamp, which is a sight gag because he's like way taller, even though it's the lowest mm. lamp I've ever seen in my entire life. But Charles is like feeling a bit the- stressed about him. Yeah, the other thing I should mention about this weird scene is so like when uh, Wendy, the wife, is trying to seduce 
um, Doc Brown. She's got this massive curly haired wig on her head. And then she removes it to reveal this like ponytail, which then when she's at family dinner, she's like got a ponytail that she's put like two additional rubber bands around and then moved forward on her head and pinned onto her head. So she has her bangs and then the poof of the ponytail sticking up on top of that. And so I couldn't pay attention to anything else that was happening in this scene. <laughs> Besides this I was look. Just, I kept being like, there's something weird with her hair. What is weird with her? And then I, and when they did like, somehow you could see her profile was like, ah, that's what's happened. <laughs> It was so distracting for me. (laughs) (laughs) So Charlie decides he's going to like spy on his guests because he's very big and scary and doesn't really know what's going on. Uh, He's peering through, through a window and he sees that like, He's got like all these futuristic space guns that he is, uh, he's like hiding under the mattress and then he leaves the the room. Then uh, Charlie sneaks in, he has a look at like the guns and stuff, he turns one on and accidentally fires it and it like shoots a big hole, well a small hole, through, uh, through the lamp, through the wall and then explodes one of the dragsters across the road. Nobody ever talks about this, there's no police or anything like that, it just happens. Uh, and it's weird, it's weird that the the dragster or the doom buggy like literally like bursts into flames, but the lamp and the wall just have a tiny little hole. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. It's it's just like, and it's like this massive like explosion. Uh, So anyway, nobody seems to notice about this, including Shep or anybody that like lives in the house or anything. No one ever talks about it. Um, The next morning, Charlie's then freaking out and he's like, this guy's obviously like a freak. I need to go get him out of here. He rolls out. And then that's when we see Hulk like, lifting weights he's sitting on a seat and he's got like a, a drill press in one hand and a bandsaw in the other and just lifting them like their weights and they have a brief interaction then off he goes to work then but wait you missed something important oh, Rafe did I? when that yeah mm-hmm. when Doc Brown shoots that gun mm-hmm. it pings a like transponder for the alien bounty hunters to recognize where Ramsey is that's right it does do we know that? Does that? No, nah, no, nah, yeah, it, it, it does they happen. Have a it even shows scene. them. Yeah. Yeah. Oh. And I know that because in my handwritten notes, it says Ray Gun pings two bounty hunters. And then right underneath that, in all capital letters, I wrote big trench coats. Yeah, huge <laughs> trench that's coats. What they were. So that's Undertaker. And who's the, is the other guy also someone? I have no idea who the other guy is. He didn't. Okay. He's. Just a nobody, I guess. I don't, I don't think he's a, a wrestler or whatever. I couldn't figure out who he was. And I'm pretty sure on IMDb, he was just one of those like blank gray faces. So, yeah, I don't, yeah. I don't think he's just okay. big dude number two. Um, but, yeah, so he, he goes off. And then now we start uh, seeing Shep go into full saving mode. He hears a scream. Mm-hmm. He runs inside. He tackles uh, Charlie's wife over the couch. And she explains that she's not in danger and she's watching some talk show that's about like stress screaming to get out like uh, all the energy and things like that. And he's like, these humans are so weird. And then the mailman comes, Shep pulls a knife on him because uh, he thinks it's somebody attacking. And she's like, no, it's just the mailman. And then like the skate, uh, the uh, paper boy comes past and like hits him with a paper and laughs about it. And he's like, what the hell's going on? And she's like, you need to calm down. But he 
grabs the paper and throws it back and wastes the kid with it. He gets, uh, he gets no, spilled into the No, but that's what I was wondering. Does he stab that paper boy? No, Does no, he... it wasn't the knife. He threw the paper. <laughs> it oh, would be okay. brutal if he just threw the knife and killed him. Because I literally, I was like, I had to rewind that a few different times and I still could never determine. I was like, did Terry Hogan just imply that he threw a knife at an eight-year-old boy and then the boy like fell into the bush and was dead. To, to <laughs> be honest, showed... now that you're saying it, I don't know for sure it wasn't the knife. And I'm going to just... now accept that it was the knife and I'm fine with it. Because it shows like the like the bike has fallen on the ground and it does the typical thing where the bike wheel is like slowly turning like this. And then it just shows the back half of a kid's legs jutting out from a bush. Yeah, maybe, <laughs> and they maybe don't just move. killed that kid. And I was like... <laughs> oh no! Uh, oh well, eh, you know. I wasn't sure, but I and no amount of watching it helped me figure out if that kid's dead or not. He's gone. But, There's nothing can be done about it. <laughs> I kind of hope the kid is dead. Anyway, moving on. Uh, more <laughs> annoying kids come. Uh, there's yep. there's a whole gang of skateboard kids. I guess one is maybe the son. But they're like, hey, do you think you could skate? And he's like, of course I can, because he's like a super alpha male and good at everything. Uh, he sucks at it. He falls over. And in anger, he picks up the skateboard and throws it into space. He throws right. it, and off it goes. And then it's just gone. And, and that, the kid's like, oh. That gag will return. It will later. return. Do not fear. It's coming back. Uh, they'll talk about <laughs> it many more a, times. That was interesting to me just because we don't need that. It was already funny when you just threw it into the air and you thought, oh, maybe it like went over the roof of the house or like got stuck on the roof. Like that was good enough, but it wasn't good enough. No, it's according not to good enough. Movie. It's coming back several more times in this movie. Uh, just like the next scene, which is that dumb traffic light thing. We see that again. That's great. Uh, and then yep. we cut back to the colonel, the neighbor is like sitting in the Jeep with Shep and he's telling him war stories. And he gives him the the sage piece of advice that sometimes you've got to lose in order to win as part of this uh, <laughs> war story. So that'll come back around. Now Charlie comes home, same BS with the neighbours, but Shep isn't for that. He's about saving people and he's about doing what's right. And so he's like, that's not right, I'm going to go move it. And he goes and physically picks up the front of the dragster and moves it out of the way. The neighbours all come over their big hairy, dirty guys, and they're always like, what the hell do you think you're doing? He's like, I bet you're going to try and bash me and feed me to a warthog or something like that. And they're like, no, this is the 90s. We're going to sue you, which is kind of pretty yeah. pretty much a chuckle. And they're like, we're going to get you for aggravation damage. There's emotional trauma and all this stuff. And then they walk away, and he's like, Earth is so weird. <laughs> I know. But, like, honestly, what could be more 90s than making a 90s joke in the movie when it's 1991, like the 90s have barely begun. And yeah. we're like, it's like, this is the 90s. People, like, <laughs> people always like to remind people that it's the 90s when it's the 90s. Yeah, they talk about it. it do do well, we constantly no, talk about like it being I've the thousands? Other, like, I don't know. Yeah, I feel like I've seen other movies where like often it's like a lady and she's like, putting her arm on her hip and saying, this is the 90s and you can't treat women this way anymore. Like, it's, it's a thing that got real popular. Yeah, yeah, they were about the 90s. They were very happy to get there. So, you know, more power to them. <laughs> anyway, same yeah. routine. He got home a little bit earlier, so the car is running a little bit late, but it comes in super fast again and the sun is skateboarding oh, yeah. along and they're like, oh, no, it's going to hit the sun, but don't worry, Shep's there. He scoops him up and saves him, but then he's super mad about it. And then he chases down the car on foot, jumps a wall, 
stops the car physically, flips it over, is dragging the guys out and is about to like punch him up. And Charlie's like, no, no, you can't do that. And he's like, why not? They suck. And he's like, no, you go, this is like earth, you know, you gotta be good. And he's like, all right then. And, but he pushes the side of the car and like sends it spinning on its roof. So it's spinning in circles. Now, an important element of what this car looks like is it's like a fucking Trans Am painted black, but with like a crocodile mouth on the front of the car. So like a big, massive, like teeth clamp, like that's what it looks like. Yeah, with, so it's with meant like to be flames like this- as well. Like, like yeah. <laughs> exactly. It's like every badass car you've ever seen, basically. Right. So anyway, he cooks, he tears the door off it and stuff. Anyway, it's cooked. But they're very grateful that he's done this for them. Again, no repercussions. So it's time for a family dinner and the wife has cooked him a chocolate cake uh, for saving the sun. And he's like, Is this, do I eat it? And they're like, yeah. And then he's like eating it and he's really into it. And they all gather around him and they get a family photo where he looks up and looks kind of like disinterested or, or angry and they've got this cute family photo. Um, then it's and, nighttime. But like, Amy, just, do you remember how he eats the cake? Yeah, he just picks it up and like shoves it in his face. <laughs> He's just yeah, eating it but like, like he picks up the whole circle of the cake. It's not like he picks up a slice. He picks the oh, whole yeah, no, cake okay. up and shoves it in his face. Yeah, just eating big chunks of it. I mean, and... that's why you cake too. But <laughs> no judgments <laughs> on, on him for that one. <laughs> no one stopped him from doing it. No, so... no, they just let him go, and you would. So he's enjoying it, and then they get a sweet photo. Um, then he goes for it's nighttime and he's going for a run uh, and Charlie's going to follow him and see where he's going because he's still like, this guy's oh, obviously yeah. weird. Uh, he stops a mugger. Uh, Charlie sees it happen. He then stops to tie up his shoe uh, next to a Ferrari with one of those old school futuristic robot uh, things. It's like, you are too close. And it's like, what? <laughs> and it's like, step away from the vehicle, like that sort of thing. And anyway, he he tears it out of the car in anger, and it's like, please put me down. Like it's like we can work something out, kind of thing. And take the car, and he like smashes it, and it's like it's real. It's like Kit from Knight Rider. It's like, is this AI? Does it? It seems to be very conscious of what's happening to it as it's slowly dying. And again, in. In the context of the early 90s in the U.S., one of its major jokes that it makes as it's dying is it says, I've fallen and I can't get up. Yeah. Oh, is that that what it says? (laughs) Yes. It was pretty funny, though, I thought. It's, It's like the most 90s, like, jokes of all time here. Did you guys have those commercials of I've fallen and I can't get up? No, no. What is it? Oh, Amy, do you want to try and explain it? Yeah, it's, I don't remember the product. It was, it was like, it was those life alerts for like old people. So that if you fall, you like speak into it and you say, I've fallen and I can't get up. It was like a commercial of just old people. Like like old turtles or something? Like they're on their backs and they can't. Yes. Yes. Oh, right. So see, there's an extra level there that I didn't get because it's, (laughs) it's not a thing that we had as an ad. So, so it was like, like it, was, it was definitely like a phrase that was yeah. well known at that right. time. Okay, it was like so like the commercial shows like all different like old grandas of different differing genders, and they're all like you know decrepitly <laughs> going around their homes, and 
it was your like hands a, there a, looking a, like a small animal burrowing yeah. for some reason. Yeah. <laughs> like Feebly clawing it. <laughs> I just imagine like as my bones get more and more brittle, I'm just gonna hold my hands like a little T-Rex and try and like not move my arms too far from my body. But like you would it was like a necklace that you would wear around and then like some kind of medallion and I th the medallion was like such that if you pressed it it was supposed to call the ambulance right and okay. and so then the way they demonstrated how it worked was to have this old lady she like presses the thing and she's like I've fallen and I can't get up and then it, that became like the tagline for this life alert product. right right and so when you press the life alert thing does it open you up to a live like feed to an operator who can hear you saying that or is she just triggering an alarm and then just exclaiming this to the air uh i think it was supposed to connect you to like emergency services like a phone right okay yeah. so somebody's yeah. listening she's not just speaking to like imaginary people or like yeah the idea because the whole premise is that this is an older person who lives alone. So screaming, I've fallen and I can't get up to the air to no one. You're just going to stay there on the ground. Well, that's I mean, what, that's what I was thinking. Like, I was thinking, is, is it triggering? It's just like boop, boop, and it lets them know the address and they're coming anyway and she doesn't need to speak to them or if she's got to let them know her emergency, you know what I'm saying? It implied that that like somehow this button was going to like link you to the 911 right. and that then you could tell them your emergency. Okay. Sound, sounds flawed. I'm, I'm not convinced. Uh, anyway, so Hulk continues on, uh, and then he sees a mime who's like doing oh, the glass this, wall. I type did thing. not like this joke. I <laughs> did, oh, do God. you not like mimes, or I just was like, there's already so many sight gags and so many one-liners, and like we don't need this too. Like we get it. Hulk Hogan is funny. Got, okay. <laughs> Where it is like, it looks like you're in a K7 force field or whatever. And he's like, I'll break you out and just like punches the guy in the face. And he's like, you're welcome. And then like on he goes. Yes. They're, they love sight gags in this movie. They just keep going. Anyway, so he checks on his ship. He goes inside. There's only there's still 21 days left and he's spewing because it sucks. Um, and then So also that, that means three weeks have already passed. Yeah, right. Okay. So I'm surprised it's taken Charlie this long to follow him then because you'd have to think the weirdness had been continuing. It was yeah. immediate and continuing the whole time. Yeah, yeah. So I have, yeah. right? Like, so he's so mild that it even took him three weeks to figure out this complete uh, oh, psychopath yeah, that, that lives okay, in his that, thing. That checks out. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So he <laughs> didn't do anything. So he sneaks in, uh, ship leaves, um, and, and Charlie is checking out the ship. Ship's walking home and he hears all these lasers and it's another sight gag. There's a kid playing like some spaceship video game and he's like, I'm going to get this general or whatever. And he's like, what's going on? And he's like helping him and he's going to beat the game and the game surrenders to him. He's so good at it that it smokes and a little <laughs> white flag literally comes out the back of the video game and all the kids cheer. And that is Very like... Stupid. And that's picking up on the last Starfighter, which was mm. we've done for the podcast. But this idea, because like he's telling the kid, he's like, "Go to the like Arcadian Rebels and get their like bloodjamming and ray." And like the kid's like, "Yeah, yeah, yeah, I'm doing that. I'm doing that." And so then it's like, "Oh, so is that game based on the reality of the space 
personages that Chip has interacted <laughs> with in the past? And if so, then this is the last Starfighter. Ah, Interesting. Okay. So- yeah, he seemed to know all the names and the generals and stuff. So I was, yeah, wondering if it was based on like his actual reality, like Earth thinks all the space people are not real, but they are real. Right. Yeah, exactly. Anyway, he succeeds in that, and then he's cruising along, and the mime's there again. Now the mime's climbing a ladder, and Shep thinks he needs to get up somewhere high, and so picks him up and throws him up onto, like, the third story of a building or something, uh, which the mime is not so don't we up. also have, like, the mime also doing one-liners where he's like, oh, I'm going to go back to accountant school. Yes, or, like, literally, something like literally that. stuff like that. There, yeah, it's... So, some terrible kind of thing. Like, I never should have given up my day job. Yeah. Um, meanwhile, Charlie is uh, he, he's gotten in the ship and uh, he's found Shep's uh, power armor and x-ray goggles and then through the power of x-ray goggles has seen that there's a woman being dragged away by two men, uh, apparently for raping and murdering, and he's not going to let it happen. And so he starts putting on the suit and confronts them. He uh, is not very good in the suit and he's falling over and stuff and I think they shoot at him, but he ends up beating him up up, and the girl is very, very generous and and, uh, grateful and she's like, thank you so much, I'll do anything you need. And then he's like, no, no, that's enough. And the little cod piece has a boner alert going on (laughs) where it's going, and he's like, helping people is its own reward and is like taking off because uh, the armour is telling her that he has an erection. (laughs) Apparently. I didn't like that either. It was so then, dumb. Why would you want a boner alert on your armor? Like, why would you install why, that? Why don't you know that it's happening? Like, I don't have a penis, so I can't be sure about this. But all the people I know who've had them suggest to me that they're aware when they've got a boner. They don't, like, need I've always little, been pretty like, sure about it. Button. Yeah, yeah. I'm not sure why you would need that, nor why you would want anybody that's in your vicinity to know about it. To know. That's, yeah. that's sexual harassment. Yeah, exactly. That's it's like letting you know, like, <laughs> see what I you're doing. I have locked this part out because I don't even remember this. <laughs> Well, another cool part of this little vignette where Doc Brown is trying on this spaceman suit is when he forgets, like he doesn't know how to use it. And then it looks like it goes into its like own kind of like autopilot thing. And then it makes him do the worm. Oh, I forgot. Yeah, I forgot. Why Hulk has it programmed to do the worm at a moment's notice as well is an interesting choice. Particularly in this disco-hating landscape where no one wants to, like, you don't do the worm unless you're doing disco. So, like, why Isn't the worm a hip-hop? Like, I've got some cardboard, I'm on the street, I'm spinning on my head, I'm doing the worm? It makes its way into the breakdancing world, but yeah, like, I feel like, like it's pretty. I I feel like everybody loves the worm. Yeah, exactly. It's, it's a nice place to live, and I wouldn't want to. And it's like worm, and you're like you can yeah. see that work. Yeah, totally. I I already forgot that rap. Thank you. Yeah, for yeah. I'll, I'll, it'll come back a few yeah. times. So anyway, <laughs> we find out as well that he's dropped some kind of space gun on the ground, yeah. uh, and and the bounty hunters have detected the power spike and they're coming in hot. Though, uh, as a throwback to that earlier gag, as they're, like, flying along, the skateboard, like, shoots past them and they just kind of look at each other like, what the fuck was that? And then they so detect they the power. So they probably would have figured out Ramsey was on Earth anyway? Yeah, probably. They're work. like, why are there skateboards being thrown off this planet? Because apparently aliens know a lot about skateboards. You'll find that out later also. 
Yes. That's a, that's a little foreshadow there for you. <laughs> they, they initially know nothing about skateboards, but then they know everything about skateboards. Yeah, exactly. It's just like you just need to see it one time and then you can become an expert about it. So anyway, yeah. the sight gags are going to start coming again. Shep's sleeping in his bed. He's uh, too big. His, his uh, feet are off the end. And then he's he hears somebody crying or some kind of noise and it's a girl with a cat in a tree. And she's like, oh, my kitty. And he's like, this one. And like pulls it down. She's like, that's not my kitty. And he lets it go. And I guess that cat also goes into space. As yeah. it just gets, <laughs> gets so, flies so off. If the, if the cat didn't die just from the sheer force of the throw, it will die when it gets into space. You would and think no so. Yeah, exactly. Anymore. I was actually surprised well, there wasn't cats like. Cats have nine lives, so it'll be okay. Hmm. True. And Amy, tell me, who was this little girl? Do you remember? Yeah, the little girl was played by Elizabeth Moss as a child. Yeah. Which is- oh, really? <laughs> yeah. I didn't notice it the first time because they don't show her face for very long. But it, when she, she comes back again, and I, I, I looked at you can yeah. see her face more. And yeah. I looked at her face and I was like, why does that little child look familiar? And I was like, man, that looks like Elizabeth Moss, but tiny. And I was like, there's no way. And so, but I uh, looked up her filmography and it's her first role wow what a way to start what a trajectory she was set up for success the two things the two things i rewound in this movie was to see if uh hulk hogan knifed a kid in the back and to see if elizabeth elizabeth moss was the tiny girl those are the two things i needed to confirm look we've already confirmed he definitely knifed that kid in the back so it's totally (laughs) fine so you can put that one to bed uh he then goes for a walk like he does uh, and meets an old lady who's testing oh, melons. Yes. And she's like, you need to, like, they need to be just firm, so you've got to squish him. And, of course, he's too strong, and uh, they're going to get exploded and cover her in melon. Oh, yep. sees the mime again who runs away terrified. And he's like, oh, okay, what's going on? He uh, then goes back to his ship, and then he realizes that uh, Charlie's used his armor and sees the, the bounty hunters are coming. So he's like, I need to go confirm Charlie and see what the fuck's going on around here. He storms into Charlie's office, but the secretary stops him. Uh, she's like, no, you can't. And then there's like this sort of weird sexual tension moment. And then she tells him to take yeah. a seat, which he does literally. He then picks up the chair and then brings it back. And then she's like, are you serious? And they're like staring at each other. Um, I thought from the side, don't you think the secretary kind of looks like maybe like a a Goldie Horn or somebody like that. That's who I think of when I see her side profile. Yeah, Maybe. He's that type, yeah. I would say. She's got that vibe. I was surprised because, like, when I looked at IMDb, that actress, like, is she doesn't even have a picture or anything. And I was surprised because I was like, she's no worse than anybody else who's, like, been in stuff and yeah. in some senses she's actually kind of actually funny. So I'm so I wonder why like her career didn't seem to go anywhere after oh, this. Exactly. But. Something to research yeah. in our own time, I guess. Uh he, yeah. <laughs> he tells uh anyway, uh then the boss comes out and with the Japanese people, uh investors, and he sees Shep holding the chair and he's like, Oh great, I'm glad you're here with it. Uh you can put it down over there. Uh shoes them off and then he tells her to like keep her boyfriends like out of the office. And I guess that's to give us an idea that he's like, you know, this sleazy guy who's always rolling with the punches and like hustling and stuff like that. He was like, this is a very weird scene, but I'm just going to make it weird. So my investor, like not weird for my investors and kind of move forward. Yeah. I guess is the point. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Um, And then uh, the boss is speaking with Charlie 
To be honest, I couldn't be bothered watching this with dialogue the second time, but I assume he wanted him to work hard and work over the weekend or something to finish the plans Yeah, in time. he tells yeah. him that he needs these blueprints that he's been working on to be finished by that night because there's some party for the Japanese business people and the shitty boss wants to show the fully finished blueprints to them at the party. Yeah, so and he's like, I need them stat kind of thing. Yeah, and yeah. Doc Brown is like, I couldn't possibly. I already worked real hard. You know, so like, um, again, we're like getting to the the heart of the matter, which is that still, for all the time Doc Brown has spent with Shep, he is still not able to like speak up for himself, um, and that's the problem. Yeah, and and he agrees to kind of do it. Basically, he comes yeah. he comes out the door, and then is immediately con, uh, confronted by Shep, who puts him up against a wall. Is like, "Where's my stuff?" But then the secretary pulls a gun on him. Yep, and is like, <laughs> "Take it outside," kind of deal. None of this in here. Yep. Yeah, exactly. So Charlie ends up admitting that because he's because it was this the up. '90s, gun jokes were funny. Yeah, they've just got them. Like yeah. she just had a gun like in in a corporate office. So I guess that's okay. But uh, they they leave and Charlie agrees to take him to where the armor is and where he lost the weapon. He's taken too long to unlock his door, so Shep just tears the door off the car and oh, throws yeah. it away. Uh, and then they drive to the warehouse. Uh, yeah, they have a look for the gun. They can't see it. And then in a funny part that kind of sums well, up the movie to me. And this is this is the another kind of nod to the other things that kids' movies would have been into is when they're looking for all of um, like Shep's equipment. What he has is one of the e-meters from the Ghostbusters where the little like arms go up and down as they get closer I thought to it looked the familiar. Thing. Is that the, like basically the same as like the Ghostbusters one? It's exactly the same. Oh, okay. <laughs> okay. It's literally the same. Just like, just like how we have Star Wars X-Wings and an Imperial Cruiser at the beginning, this tool where it goes like... It's the exact same thing that they use in Ghostbusters. Right. Okay. So proprietary <laughs> technology being ripped off. and But, but it's great because... I really because- wonder like, what the copyright team or like the legal team had to like do because i'm like it's this is obviously a ghostbusters thing like and it would have been even more obvious in 1991 than it is now yeah exactly and like like everyone would be like the ghostbusters isn't even that old (laughs) but anyway yeah but the funny part is that he's like oh it's not here and he goes okay well we'll use this tracking device and then charlie's like why didn't we just use that to start with and hulk just looks at him and just goes shut up (laughs) it's like that sums up the movie to me it's like look let's not ask any questions here I've got this now, and now we're going to move on to the next thing. Like when they find all of his toys being used by those same crime guys who were trying to rape the lady earlier, now they've used the freezing gun at the bank to try and rob the bank. Mm -hmm. And here's an important question in that, which is why is Jingle Bells playing in the background? It's not Christmas. But it's snowing. Well, but no. I guess, but aren't, <laughs> sure, there are lots of songs that are about winter, <laughs> aren't there? No, only Jingle Bells. Yeah, that's the only okay. one I know of. Yeah, I'm with you. <laughs> <laughs> T- tell me also, right now another song that, that uh, is about snow. Yeah. What were you going to say? Yeah. Oh, no, yeah. Oh, no, tell us right now a song about snow that doesn't have to do with Christmas. Let it snow, let it snow, let it snow. Although that is a Christmas song too. Yeah, yeah. it is. Yeah, it's gotcha. all Christmas. But I was going to say about the frozen people, I thought 
they looked not frozen. Well, no, that was the other thing. It, like, this is where production value, like, is a bit of a head scratcher. Because as you're coming in, the like, the shot where it's showing that this freezing kind of uh, ray gun or whatever tool it is that makes people freeze... You can tell that, like, the makeup people were really into making people look frozen, like, of the first set of people. And then by, like, the last couple people, they have, like, a little tiny poofing of white on, like, their face. But they're, they're literally just standing there frozen. Like, Amy, when we did Santa Claus Conquers the Martians and they had, like, the freeze ray gun and literally just the actors would just stop. That's exactly what it was. Well, yeah. that's like, and I was, and I, and that's what I was referring to more than the makeup. Like the makeup was like a little bit janky, but it was more like if they had hung on one person a second longer, you would have seen them move because yeah. like it was just on the edge of their fingers being like, eh. like you could see, yeah, you could see. It was weird because in movies, that's like a gag you do, or not even a gag, but that's like a thing you do in theater. Like right. you have like a freeze. And obviously from an audience in a theater, you don't see those like micro movements. So it's no, it's no big deal. It looks like a fright freeze. But in movies, <laughs> the camera Yeah, a little bit more that. evident, isn't it? <laughs> yeah. Well, particularly one of the women in it is like this older woman. And I'm like, she's 75 she can't be like just standing there with her like arthritic hands and like one position like next minute she's falling was, over she's hitting that thing like i've fallen and i can't yeah. get up like this alarm's yeah. going off like it was it's an entire thing it was almost it was almost as though and you know like movies are not shot where it's like now we're doing the first scene and then after the first scene we're doing the second scene movies are shot at like in different chunks but it it looks like they had money at the beginning of filming. And by the time they got to the end, it was like, well, this is what remains. Throw some white clown makeup on these people. Make it look a little shiny. Has anyone got any flower? Just dust these fools. Let's go. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Uh, I, I'm, I'm sure that's not how filming was done, but that's how it appears to the viewer. Yeah. Well, and also even just like it was very, again, very like a weird theatrical part because even yeah. the way they were frozen in like the bank line, like one lady had her arm like on another guy. Like she literally was like going like this. I'm like, who yeah. does that when you're standing in line? The- <laughs> Excuse if me. someone tried to touch me at the bank, I would be like, what the fuck is happening? Like, I don't, I don't want any human contact in this. No, I'm calling the police. I'm waving over security. Yeah. Like it's trying to get my yeah. bank card or something. It's, it's not acceptable. Yeah. Well, there's, and there's, then those, Oh yeah, you go. Like, and then the crime guys who are down in the vault—that looked like super, like Batman. Like, they might as well have had like just big pieces of paper with the symbol for dollar it just painted on it. With they the- were like, Whoa. <laughs> like yeah, it was just, like, so silly. It, it, it's a like, <laughs> it's like the the biggest like. Um, stereotype of a bank heist you've ever seen. It's like Mr. Freeze is going to be in here or something like that. But uh, speaking of people not wanting to get touched in a bank, these guys aren't going to want to when Shep gets his hands on them in mere moments. Uh, He Mm. he crashes in, uh, ends up fighting with them. Uh, Basically, he he beats them up. He gets the gun back, but Charlie gets frozen. So then he's got to take Mm -hmm. take him back, but he's frozen, so he's got him sticking out of the the sunroof of the car as he drives him through traffic in 
Yet another sight gag. Yes, with jingle bells playing in the background. Yes, exactly. Again. Still, go, still going. <laughs> it's been been on repeat this entire time. Charlie wakes up. He's got the headache as promised that you get when you've been frozen, oh, and, yeah. and he's like, he learns all about space and and what he's doing. Uh, and then he's like, look, I need to get off this planet, but the only way I can do it is if I repower my ship. Uh, it's not going to happen, but that that's the best way to do it because then they'll leave me. And he's like, if only I had some pure simian crystal. And he's like, Ooh. hold the fucking phone. Did you say pure simian crystal? I know exactly where to get some of that. And it just so happens I have two invitations to a ball. It's heist time. Mm-hmm. Time for a mm-hmm. heist. That's what they're going to do. Uh, and so they get Hulk the largest tailored suit in the universe and they both roll into the ball I like think dapper this gentlemen. this might be the first time that the Hulkster has sleeves on any of the tops that he wears. In I would say it's the first time he's ever suit. worn a suit with sleeves in his entire life. To be honest. <laughs> and I think it's a mistake. I think his tux or his suit should have been sleeveless. It would have been a better look. It would have been a better look. It would have been so good. If like, especially what I would have liked is if it had been like not like showing rips of fabric but if it had been tailored. perfectly tailored yeah. to yeah. be a tank top jacket like yeah. <laughs> blend right in blend right in the uh yeah. <laughs> he would have got even more attention from the secretary that then sees him and is yeah. right into him again he's getting a lot of attention but there's no time for that he must go to the heist so they go right. they go to the the thing uh and they can see that oh but yes we've breezed past Something that Doc Brown also breathes past, which is uh, Shep reveals to him he's an alien from space and bounty hunters are coming. And so that's why he needs to get off the planet. Now, mm-hmm. I guess when it comes to Doc Brown's perspective, he must have surmised something like this is happening based on the technology. He wasn't too seen. shocked about it, really. That's why I breezed over it because, I mean, we all know everyone, that things. So. Everyone rolls with that punch. It's pretty no obvious. Problem. Yeah. Like really no problem, which is why I'm like, is the reason why? And then when it's later revealed to his wife that he's been hanging out with this alien man, like is the reason why everyone seems to accept it because this is an alien who looks just like a human being. So it's like, no, pro- okay. Like, or I- is it a world where we just are, like, there are aliens I don't, I, I don't think he knew that there were aliens, but I think he's just like an open-minded, smart nerd who is open to it. <laughs> he's used the suit. He's seen the x-ray goggles. He's seen the spaceship. What's he supposed to say? It's not possible. It is possible. I've seen it. Like, yeah. <laughs> there's nothing left to talk yeah. about. Uh, and then he's like, well, I guess I'll help you because I don't want like the world to be destroyed and heaps of people to die. Uh, right. And I know where these crystals are, so this is quite convenient. Also, he's like yeah, saved his to- son and stuff. Like, you know, he's he's good with him. They didn't yeah. want to waste time in this movie explaining it or having like the moment of like not, anyone not believing because then they would miss out on some sight gags. They needed to True. like get through that yeah. so they could get to let's the burn other these out. That's how I felt like when I was uh, writing up the synopsis here. I'm like, all right, let's get through it. We'll just tick off the sight gags and we're kind of on to the next part. <laughs> yeah. We're breezing I mean, straight part, through it. Like truly part of me while watching this, I, w- I did keep – thinking back to a movie that we have covered on the podcast, Running Man. And it's very similar in terms of like, we just got these things we're going to do. We're going to do some one-liners. We're going to do like, this is what we're doing. 
And after a while, it gets exhausting as a viewer, I got to say. <laughs> I love yeah. Running Man. It's one of my favorites <laughs> when I was younger. I think I think you said on your podcast, you mentioned how James loved it. And James and I lived, obviously, very similar childhoods. I was, I was in a different place, but we loved all like the same shit. So whenever you guys, they're always the ones I jump in for at your podcast or like Running Man yeah. and Predator and all those like guy action oh, movies. Predator, I think Predator is James's favorite movie, which is yes. wild to yeah, me. It's a, yeah. it's a sick movie. Yeah. I got no problem for with sure. that. Either. Well, and uh, we, I think, oh yeah, we did talk about it, but we didn't say like, it even hits some of the same notes as the as Running Man and probably Commando and certainly Predator because Hulk picks up a car and moves it just like Arnold picks up a big truck and move and uses it to make a bomb in so Predator. Like um there are some very real like similarities between these and it's interesting because I it almost probably is really like here's this bodybuilder man who has now fully transitioned into being a Hollywood actor, he's a big guy. Maybe we use this as a blueprint for what you can do trying to transition into being a big Hollywood actor, right? Like, um, so we're going to just do note, like note for note, the same shit that Arnold does. (laughs) That's literally how they made this movie. Like, and and it doesn't surprise me that it was written with Arnold in mind because you could just plug him into this very easily Super and it would be exactly yeah. the same yeah. movie. Like it would make no, no difference at all. No, even it like be, it would be a little bit more believable. He was from France. <laughs> yes. <laughs> well, that's the, one part, that's the one part of the movie that would have become more believable as a result. <laughs> that's casting. They, they should have changed that in the script. It would have really fixed it all up if they, they uh, rescripted yeah, it. So. <laughs> okay. So they're in the ball. They're going to go and try and get these crystals. They go to some kind of wing that's under construction uh, the sleazy boss has emptied out his entire crystal collection onto a table instead of keeping it locked in its cabinet. Uh, and he's like talking to the investors and talking to it. And then Hulk's like, yo, you need to go distract him so I can get them. Uh, he goes and has a talk to him. Doesn't really distract them. They just leave. And then they gather them all up into uh, a bag. And then the bounty hunters come is what happens. Right. And this is like, I mean... These fight scenes, especially at the beginning, and then this one at the end, um, to me, really felt like they've taken the the feel of watching a wrestling bout and put it on film. Like That's what they were going for, for sure. uh, it's it's like a lot of like, and now I'm just gonna be walking with purpose, and you're gonna be walking with purpose on the other side of the room, and then we're gonna mash into each other and we're going to fall back and then there's going to be a stupid gag about some sort of thing. Oh, there was a test of strength. I'm going to bend this metal to intimidate you. Then I'm going to bend it more. Then I'm going to turn it into a rabbit. Like, (laughs) I was like, what is happening right now? Yeah, yeah. I mean, because some of This is one of the worst fight scenes in cinema history. I breezed straight over it. I can't really... (laughs) Yeah. Oh, and then of course as well, I wrote down some of what's being said here. So like, um, let's see, uh, my notes say very bad one-liners throughout the fight, like WWF question mark. And then immediately, immediately after that, it's, um, Hulk says, 
what is this, a tag team? Because it's the two bounty hunters, yes. Undertaker and No Name Guy. And then it's No Name Guy who says back in the voice of a child, you're a dead man. And I was like, but why is his voice like a kid's voice? What's that about? And then that, like, and then Hulk has a reaction to that as well. And I was just like, <laughs> what? Some of these jokes I don't even get because, like, they're more than a joke needs to be like like why is it that he bends not a joke maybe they're just not funny is is the main problem yeah (laughs) i guess their performance art it's like why does he turn it's one thing to bend the metal but then why does he need to bend it into the shape of a little bunny rabbit and like i mean stronger than them he's got the finesse to be able to achieve it uh and then i then my next note immediately after that says Three Stooges slash Looney Tunish defeat of the bounty hunters. And I don't remember exactly how he knocks them out. Uh, There's the stuff using their jet boots. Like he sends one up through oh, the yeah. roof and then one through a wall or something like that. And one becomes like a silhouette in the wall. Either way, it was yeah. terrible. Uh, there's, there's nothing really to dig into with this fight scene. But anyway, he overcomes them really. Is, is what it yeah. comes down to, yeah? Uh, so then they're getting out of there and the general suitor shows up at the house uh, and he sees the photo of Shep uh, with the family and then he's like, oh, I see, he cares about these people. Then he takes them hostage and has them take him to the ship. Um, I don't remember if that happens on or off camera, <laughs> but either way, he no, turns up just, with the family. Yeah, they yeah. just show up at that, like, disco roller warehouse ruin place um and is and i don't know how they even know that that place exists but they end up there um, I, th- I think because he, he's got charlie and, with him so he would have been like oh, that's, how, that's yeah, right yeah, he's yeah. like take me yeah. to shep or you and your family are dead and he's like oh yeah right. yeah sick i'll do right. that so shep's uh loading all the the crystals into his thing or whatever and he's gonna like uh, take off with his ship, but then he comes in and Suda's like, you need to do this or I'm going to destroy everybody. And then he's like, what am I going to do? I'm in the ship, but I don't want them to die, but I want to beat him. And then he remembers the tale from the old colonel. Sometimes you've got to lose to win. And so he sets the self-destruct system on his ship, knowing it would strand him on Earth, but being like, I will be able to like beat him and save the family. Basically, right. is what it comes And now to. I have learned that Earth maybe isn't as bad as I thought it was. Yeah, maybe I could yeah. be here because I care about these people. So he comes out uh, and the suitor starts shooting at him and playing with him. Uh, Charlie gets the family outside and he's like, I've got to go and got to go and help him. And he gets in a car and he, he busts it through the wall, uh, like yeah. hitting the guy. He's not before he shoots Shep. Uh, he runs over. Uh, to check on Shep, and the the big bad guy's like totally fine, and he's like, "Oh, he's doomed, and so are you!" And like grabs him by the scruff of the neck, is going to finish him off, but he grabs up one of Shep's gauntlets and uses it to again another dick joke, I guess, crush or tear off his testicles. And Shep is like, wakes up and is like, "No," because he knows that's going to turn him into the Xenomorph again. And this right. time we see the full transition. To glorious. Yeah. This is where most of their budget was spent on this costume, I think. I yeah. certainly hope not, because this is actually like the costume of like the creature from the Black Lagoon. Like it, yeah. it's <laughs> it's like the, like they've I, just edited I, it slightly. It's better I than was, some of the costumes we've seen in some of the stuff. I mean, granted that 
the costumes I'm thinking of are stuff we've watched from the 60s. So, yeah, but it's better than those. Indeed. It wasn't I mean, that bad and, a monster costume, really. And it doesn't, it's not clear if there's a lot of alien wet mouth in this particular. No. Oh, good. I knew you would know. Yeah. <laughs> not about that's it. a running that's a running theme in many of the things we cover is that aliens have very wet mouths yeah for it's some gross. Reason. so we don't get a lot of alien wet mouth in this though when they do show his like hand chopping off and like turning it's mucusy the, right yeah yeah there's a, always freaking mucusy with these damn aliens <laughs> well that's, that's <laughs> I haven't said it's enough got it. the re, it's got the regenerative it. powers so you can like regrow your xenomorph hand, yeah, I guess. I guess. I don't. I'm know. not. No, I'm not sure the ins and outs of xenomorph regrowth thing, but I would imagine that it's something along those lines. Uh, so yeah. anyway, Shep's going to fight this big monster. He's uh, he's having a fight with him, but nothing's working. He's breaking boards over it. Nothing's going on uh, until he grabs up those convenient power cables that we learned about earlier and electrocutes him with it. He then scoops yeah. up Charlie and runs out just as the ship explodes, blowing the entire Rollo disco to hell. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Take that, disco. Yeah, take that, disco and evil General Suda. Uh, the family think they've been blown up, but they see him there on the side. They run over to them, and uh, Shep tells his family that, like, he was, like, the hero, and they're like, Dad, you're so cool, kind of thing. Like, he's, like, the coolest dad ever, and they're all best friends. Yay. Exactly. But the movie is not over yet. There is still sight gags to be had. So uh, <laughs> so Charlie uh, storms into the office. The, uh, the boss this entire time has been, I forgot, I didn't touch on this briefly, but he's been sort of like trying to entertain the Japanese investors by like, you know, telling them about the plans, but he knows nothing about them. So he's just making up stuff and saying stereotypes and he's waiting for Charlie to come with the plans. It's been all night. He yeah. storms in. He's like, when you talk about walls, walls are there are usually four. They usually go up and then they are between the ceiling. He's, he's like, see, what you think about <laughs> we, about roofs is this, and we're going to put in walls to keep them up and stuff like that. <laughs> I mean, as the boss of an architectural firm, like – I understand that maybe he's like not the one who blew up, like drew up the specific blueprints, but wouldn't he know some more technical terms and some? I more mean, even I, as a just regular person, know the phrase "flying buttress," and I could explain what a flying buttress is, or a column, or a colonnade, or like a lintel. Like you know, like there are various quote-unquote architectural terms I could say if I'm trying to vamp for a little while about architecture. But, like, he's he's got none of them. He's like, hmm, okay, you know that thing? It's like the thing, there's like a rectangle and you pull and it's like a door, you know, door. Like, I'm like, and of How course... you become the boss? And as well, Sorry, like, the idea... Sleazy hustling the, and taking other people's long, glory. And there were also long-running gags throughout this because the Japanese investors do not speak English, but they have this translator lady, and it's clear that they hate this guy. And that's also a joke. It's somehow. literally how they started. The very first thing that the one Japanese investor says is, I literally hate this guy, like the second. Yeah. <laughs> the very yeah. first thing he says, and then she translates it as like something nice and is like coward, like for not saying yeah, yeah. it. So, so anyway... Yeah, yeah Char Charlie, Charlie storms in anyway, and he gives him a servant, 
and he hits him with the like on the head with the plans of pure time and basically quits. Says you're on your own. Here's the plans. Fuck off. I'm done with it. And then he's like, he finally oh. learned assertiveness. He finally learned it thanks to Shep teaching him how oh to God. be a hero. Um, now it's the next day. Shep's in a new set of clothes and he's walking back to the house. Uh, he's once again confronted by the skater kids. Uh, and then cue like a really weird scene where like he's like. They're like, you're bad at skateboarding. He's like, well, I've learned a thing or two. And then he's like doing the most ridiculous skateboarding tricks of oh, all time. I'll show you skateboarding, brother. Yeah, <laughs> then he's like skateboarding like on his hands, like upside down. And he's like doing crazy flips with no ramps or anything. He's just like jumping in the sky. And then it was like, whoa, he's so cool. And then the one kid's like, oh, I wish I still had my board. And he's like, why don't you take mine? And then suddenly he unzips from his bag some kind of futuristic 20-wheeled space skateboard yeah. that he gives to yeah. the kid. And he's the- got like a hoverboard from Back to the Future 2, <laughs> and he's like, here, man, take this. <laughs> it's just like, how did you get this skateboard, sir? And if you had it the whole time, why were you so bad at skateboarding the first time? Yeah. And how did you suddenly and learn then- how to be wicked at it? And my favorite part of this little scene is when he's – uh, supposedly standing on his hands on the skateboard. Yeah. It looks so fucking fake. Yeah, where he just rolls <laughs> past the camera. Because <laughs> it just shows, like, him upside down, but only from, like, chest down. So yeah, he's yeah. like, whoa. And everyone's like, cool skateboarding trick, <laughs> sir. Like, <laughs> So he, uh, I guess, going through the crucible of this movie, taught him how to skateboard as well. So that was real cool. That comes out of nowhere. Uh, and then the I mean, girls cry. did have six weeks. So. Oh, well, actually, that is a good point. So maybe after he made a fool of himself, he then went and trained his body and mind uh, to become yeah. a skateboarding master and I guess custom fabricated a space board also. Maybe he learnt sure. on that space board off camera. Maybe he used Doc Brown's tools to make his own space board. Yeah. then became awesome over that six weeks, then right. showed off for the kids. Got it. Okay, right. that makes sense. Uh, moving on, uh, the girl with the cat's back again. Mossy's back again. Uh, and then he, he's like, are you sure it's the right cat? And like Super Hammer, like, are you sure? And she's like, yeah. And then he pulls it down and the cat jumps off. But then she grabs it and then she gets slingshotted. And so he runs across and then he sort of catches her and puts her down. And they're all like, Haha, that was a close one. Yep. <laughs> that happens. And then uh, suddenly we're on the roof of a building and now he's got the bounty hunter ship. I guess he's found it. And he's like going to go off world and the family and Charlie are there to say goodbye to him. And it's revealed that the secretary is going with him. She's in like a tight fitting number. And she's like, oh, I'm just going to go for a holiday. <laughs> and Chip kind and of she now And she also has a matching braid because he's now back in his space gear. Oh, and she has a matching little she? braid oh, down her Yeah. Okay, then. So another potential Jedi candidate. Uh, and <laughs> then the family all says goodbye. And then even though Shep had previously said that he doesn't normally say goodbye, he does say goodbye yeah. to Charlie and he says he'll see him around and they have a big man handshake, which is where I thought he'd be mm. like, see you around, brother. Yeah, yeah, that would have been a good it. opportunity for yeah. it, for sure. Missed it. And I also thought Missed that they it. were going to do like the man handshake where you don't actually shake hands, but you like hold the forearm mm. of the person. I would have like, thought like, like in Predator, to. my favorite scene in Predator, bring it back to that, where he <laughs> walks in. And he's like, Dylan, you son of a bitch. And they do that big oh, like, yeah. <laughs> like man handshake. And he's like, make it easy on yourself, Dylan. 
say yeah. got you pushing too many it's pencils. That, you know that one? I just had to do the whole bit for my friends, but because we do it all the time. Anytime we see each other in public, me and my mate Dylan, we do that every time. Um, but that's, that would have been a perfect opportunity and you'd see like Hulk's huge bicep and like yeah. like Christopher Lloyd's no bicep, but it would be funny. Right. I mean, they've parodied every be. other movie kind of of the era, I guess. Yeah. When was Predator released? Before after this? Before, way before, like oh, 84 or 5. Opportunity yeah. missed. They could have done it. Missed the they brother, done, missed right. the Predator handshake. So I've absolutely yeah. blown it. Uh, and then we're going to wrap this all up in a nice, neat little bow by that with that stupid fucking scene with the with the traffic lights where he yeah. zooms through, he beats everybody this time because he's super assertive, and then he pulls out a space gun that has been left to him by Hulk and destroys the traffic lights, potentially causing many future accidents and putting lots yes. of people in danger. Why would he do yes, this? But he was assertive, so that's okay. Well, he was, and then he all the learned. all the motorists are like clapping and stuff, like he's a big hero. I'm like, that's very irresponsible. It is yeah. very, and especially just the one, like you are going to create a problem, and then so that's inexplicable and apropos of nothing. <laughs> More so is so then this ends, and what you would expect is like a music, like maybe the rap that we ended. This we started with, or something, you know, like um, kind of from a Rodney Dangerfield movie where it's like, like, you know, but instead what we get is the William Tell overture. Oh, you mean this? As <laughs> but this is going to fade into some funky reggae number as well. Yeah. And then he's like, his car is like heaps further ahead than all the cars because he's now can drive his tiny car with one door way faster than everybody else. I guess maybe that one door was too much weight and slowing it down. I think it's more that he's just now a rebel who doesn't care. And so he doesn't need a door and he doesn't need a stoplight and he doesn't need to pay attention to the rules oh, of the man. you know what they should have said at the end his last line should have been like roads where we're going there are no roads <laughs> <laughs> and then, and then it like, turns out it was this is the origin of doc brown that's what it is this is yeah. then he becomes assertive he yeah. starts inventing stuff he invents time travel yeah, and then goes back to 1955 exactly and- I think that's what this is Oh my God! You have. Oh, it's all, it's you all really connected. It wide it's, <laughs> wow! It's almost uh, connected. There's that terrible reggae song. I'm turning this off. Um, I was going to say that reggae song makes repeated appearances throughout yeah, yeah. the movie as well. Yeah, they love for it. reasons that are unclear. I mean, like, okay, uh, we've made it through the movie. This has been long, so I won't drag it out. But like, some, especially these final moments are just a lot of like, wh- why? Why do we oh, need yeah. to come back to this sight joke again? Like, why yeah. does it, you know what? We didn't I, get enough of the girl with the cat. Let's go again. Let's run it back. Yeah. That, wasn't, that wasn't even one of the best sight gags. No. no. <laughs> Give me the mind back Not at least. <laughs> and to end it on that traffic thing, like, I know that, like, I know that was like a, like their big sh- like showing of him not being assertive, but like 
What a weird, not strong ending. Like that could have it's been really done before. Like you think you'd end with the handshake, right? Predator handshake. Boom. Yeah. Hey now, right. hey now. Credits roll like and that's it. Like. No, what it should have been, I'll tell you exactly what it should have been. It should have been Predator handshake. You like hear the skin slapping and then immediately it goes, any way you want it, that's the way you need it, any way you want it. Roll credits. Roll it. That's like a perfect end scene. We're done here. You know Um, what? We've just got to write the remake and just go in there, just just redo (laughs) it, just tidy up these little bits, put that in. Is it, is it too – maybe we could just do a fan edit. That would be easier. Just go in and just really <laughs> – We like – we, we into we film the handshake ourselves and just like edit it into like yeah. the end where it's like clearly not even their arms, the music plays. It'll be fine. I mean, it is like exactly that. 90 minutes and I do think that you could trim the fat and then this would be a really nice like TV, like longer – like. 68 minutes. I'm like, do it that way. That's perfect. Put it on TV. Have it be a TV movie. Exactly. Uh, but of course, as well, this like sets the tone for any number of similar sorts of family movies that come after, which is football guy becomes babysitter. Um, and I think that is one of Dwayne Johnson's first It is, yeah, yeah. Is, it, is it the pacifier or um, something like that, or is that Vin Diesel's one? Either way, they've both got movies where they're being babysitters before Fast and the Furious. Right. So, like, and I do think this seems like one of the earliest forms of that, like, the idea, like, we're going to have this big guy and he's going to be all tough, but then somehow he's going to, like, be in a family and then he's going to learn a lesson. Now, typically, the people who teach the lessons are the children of the family. In this case, the children mean nothing. No. No, they don't forward the story at all. (laughs) They were were an afterthought, the kids. They're like, we better put it in or it's not as wholesome, I think. Right. Well, because then it's not a kid's movie if there are no kids in it. Also, we've got nobody to carry into the dining room that time if we don't have any kids there. Exactly. (laughs) And we actually actually wrote this movie backward where we started with the different sight gags we were going to do. I would believe that. (laughs) And then we had to figure out, like, the story that joins story. it. <laughs> I would 100% that. believe that. You know what's scary is that you just said that that movie ran for 90 minutes and we've been on this call for about nearly three hours. Yeah. <laughs> I think we've given it way more attention than anybody ever expected to give it, <laughs> yeah. including the people that wrote the movie. This Agreed. often happens to Amy and I. Uh, it's just the nature of like when you really – pay attention to something, you are going to notice stuff that like in, in a casual watching, you'll be like, well, that was a bit odd, but I don't care, you know? Like, um, but then when you like look back and then of course everyone has their own, like if we had been all watching this together and my God, wouldn't I remember watching things with people, Oh Oh, man. Uh, but like if, if we had been all together, we would be watching this movie and as the weird shit was happening, we would all just be like shouting simultaneously at each other. Like, did you see that? That's just like in that other thing. Um, But like now we're having to do it like in a very much more like organized, like you talk, 
oh, that, okay, now you talk about it. And then five minutes. It's not how I do my conversating, really. I'd like to just shout over my friends is usually the way it goes. (laughs) It's actually very difficult to, like, give you guys space to speak. Normally I've had a few beers and we're just all yelling at each other. But that's how we do it. (laughs) No, by the, I mean, this movie, I think, could... First of all, okay, like technically, those of you listening, you don't need to watch this movie now. We did the heavy lifting for you. You're welcome. Um, But I do think you might, if you are someone who likes things like Predator, like Kindergarten Cop, like Honey, I Shrunk the Kids, like all of those like wholesome family. If you like. Yes, absolutely. Like, uh, and certainly if you're a fan of the Hulkinator, and you have not seen this, then I think you probably would get a kick out of it because it's like exactly, as I said, it's exactly what you think it's going to be. And yet it's like kind of surprisingly not a bit better, like a bit more fun. Um, And and you watched way more unwatchable things. I'll tell you (laughs) for sure. For sure. I mean, I, I'm, like I'm stoked. I'm glad I suggested this and that you guys ended up having yeah. a good time with it. You know, I was worried yeah. that like uh, it, I'd get on here and you guys would be like, why the fuck are we even doing this? Like, <laughs> <laughs> I thought Amy was going to be like, I hate doing this shit normally and now I've got to deal with a wrestling guy. Like, what the fuck is this? So, no, I, 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 one of the things about this one that is like my main, I say it over and over that was something that I, when I, I can grab onto sci-fi better when it happens on earth when the majority of the action is on earth when the majority of the action is in the spaceship and about the spaceship i'm further out yeah (laughs) so on earth the first few minutes of this movie concerned you greatly i have to assume (laughs) i was a little worried (laughs) but i kind of but i kind of knew that it was he was going to end up on earth i kind of knew where it was going just from like the cover of it yeah yeah, but um but yeah, the, if it had stayed the first couple minutes, that would have been tough. Stuff. <laughs> it would be tough. <laughs> All right, guys. Well, I reckon we're nearly at three hours, so let's wrap this up. This has been so much fun. Uh, if people want to find you on social media, what do they do? Where do they go? Yeah, so we're on Instagram at See You Next Week in Space, um, and that's basically where we are. If you want, you can follow me on Twitter. I'm at S Walsh, S W A L S H, six three eight one, and I have various hot takes on there that are sometimes related to the podcast. <laughs> six hundred um, six thousand three hundred eighty one other Sarah Walshes before you. Yeah, S Walsh. No, that's Sarah. my birthday. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> no, there's six thousand three hundred eighty one. There probably are yeah. certainly. Um, so I think those are the main things. You can also check out our website at seenextweekinspace.com. Um, I'm also on Instagram as swalsh6381. If you want to follow me, I post a lot of things about food on there, like food I'm about to ingest. Um, Amy, I don't know if there's any stuff that you would like people to look at you on. No, I'm not that active on social media, so there's no need. Um, <laughs> but you can also find us on Apple Podcasts if you're looking oh, there yeah. at See You Next Week in Space. Um, but, yeah, no, I don't personally have any plugs. <laughs> so it's probably, probably for the, the best these days. Uh, and then, Rafe, if 
you want some of our immediate family me- members to listen to your podcast, why don't you stay <laughs> Well, if they want to, they, they can fi- find me on all their regular, you know, podcasty places, Spotify, uh, I, Google Podcasts, iTunes, all that stuff. And it's Faces and Feels. Uh, you can find us on uh, all the social medias at Faces Feels Cast on Twitter and Instagram. Or if you want to send me an email, uh, want to talk wrestling, want to send me uh, dumb topic suggestions, hate the episode, like the episode, whatever, you can get us at facesandfeels at gmail.com. I am not quite as formatted as the girls. I will just kind of do whatever kind of takes my fancy. I do interviews. I talk about things that I have seen on my own or with friends. Like I do things like this. I just like doing whatever is fun, you know. Uh, and so, yeah, even if you're not into wrestling, you might get a laugh out of it. I know quite a few of my friends did. I did an episode recently called Watching Death Matches with My Dad, and it was really just uh, – to I couldn't get him to be on it, but uh, it was just me relating the story of watching wrestling with my dad, uh, and he's a bit of a character to talk about anyway. So, yeah, just kind of good stuff um, as far as that goes. And if you are a wrestling fan, you, you might dig it. Um, I feel like I'm relatively listenable and I'll continue to do weird stuff and try and keep it varied, you know? Yeah, and so for those of you who do want to know more about our stuff, it's all sci-fi television and movies. And so if you, and we do kind of walk through the different stories. So if you do sort of like what you've heard today, give us a listen. We have over 50 episodes already out, which is shocking. Yeah, they're killing it. And there's great <laughs> content and, like, you can go through and you can cherry-pick the ones you know or listen to ones that you've uh, been thinking about watching and stuff. It's really good fun. That's how I started, like, just jumping into Predator was the first one I listened to, obviously. So I mean, into that's still that, one yeah. of my favourites yeah. uh, of the ones we've done so far, just because it was a really hilarious movie. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Really hilariously awesome. All right, girls, thank you so much. I realise it's probably late for you now. It's it's now 12.15pm here. So uh, I don't know what time that is for you, Amy, but I'm sure you're ready for sleep. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah, yeah, Absolutely. (laughs) So nice to meet you. Always good to see you, Sarah. And hopefully we can do something else like this in the future. Maybe somebody else will release a a sci-fi wrestler crossover and there'll be a reason to. Well, maybe we can just, the next time we do an Arnold one we can maybe have you come on if if you need me i i'm uh, always available to to do this kind of stuff also uh cool. i'll just uh hopes and prayers that everything like is working out well uh in your country with everything weird that's going on right now and also with the covid stuff and vaccinations and stuff we uh greatly want sarah to be a part of our country so um we'll continue to write letters and fight our own government until we can drag her drag her into australia <laughs> Yeah, thank you. I mean, awesome. obviously, Amy and I avoid talking much about politics and stuff, but uh, we are very concerned uh, about the no state doubt. of our Must country scary, and concerned about the health of everyone. So um, just try to, and we're hoping that maybe listening to this will like help you think about something else for a little while. Absolutely. Um, Distractions <laughs> are always good. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> exactly right. So and thanks so much for having us. No, that's Great. okay. So Thank you fun. for doing it. It was fun to organize and, yeah, I really had a very good time. So, yeah, we'll see you guys yeah. later and I will uh, send through whatever bits and pieces we need to do to share this. Cool. Okay. Awesome. See you guys. Bye.